You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. At the bottom of the hour, Billy Jaffe, Bruins analyst for Nesson, will join us. We'll also give away the two tickets we have. Wing off, baby. For the fifth annual Cowboys wing off Thursday, March 9th. We're asking you on the text line, 960-960. Should these next two games against the Bruins and the Maple Leafs influence what the Flames do at the deadline on Friday? And I, I made a boo-boo here Uh-oh. Uh, when we with... Um, You're disparaging the great name of... James Click. James Click. Yeah, I made a mistake. He wasn't the GM during the cheating scandal of the Astros. He has no relation to garbage cans or banging on yeah, them. Yeah, my bad. Sorry, James Click. Come on. Respect. Again, hey, listen. I I have made tons of mistakes in my life. You have to own your mistakes. Especially, yeah. What my broadcasting mentor, the great Peter Gross, told me, George, if it's even 2% of your fault, it's still your fault. I can't believe you'd slight the parent company like that, too. Like, that's the... You can make no, I love Blue Jays. And I love Rogers. Uh, the cell phone quality is incredible. Uh, joining us on the line right now, <laughs> On the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Flames analyst for Sports at 960, we say good morning to Peter Labardius. Lou, how are you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. What a way to begin. Yeah. What a way to get introed in with the, with the Rogers music. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, there's nowhere to go with that after. You can make my yeah. Oh yeah, we we got a text this morning that Maddie and I are taking money from the team. If the Flames want to pay <laughs> us, Lou, we're in. Yeah, sure you are. Yeah, <laughs> I wish we work in radio. Uh, we're barely above the poverty line. Um, I take money from basically anybody. Yeah, Flames you, would be like real high up on the list. Yeah, um, Lou, you're uh, you're one of our favorites. Probably our favorite guest to have on during the week. Uh, we have a segment with Eric Francis on what's irking Eric. But we also wanted yeah. to have some life lessons with Lou. Do you want to do that now oh, or at the end of the segment? You know what? Let's let's go to the end because I need to get a little warmed up. And okay. I'm sure by the time I'm warmed up, we'll, we'll get the. I'm sure I'll get the three of them before we even get to it. So okay. So if. If Alex is all over it or Patty's all over mm-hmm. it on the other side of the glass over there and they feel it's appropriate when I'm in the middle of it, that's good too. Okay. Noted. Uh, all right. We'll do it at the end. You uh, paying attention back there? Yeah. You got it? Absolutely. Okay. Alex is on it. Um, Lou, I, we, we had the conversation before he jumped on in the 7 o'clock hour. Because the Western Conference is so wide open... Would winning mm-hmm. one playoff round, and I know you got to get there, and that's going to be tooth and nail for the Calgary Flames. Would winning one round of the Stanley Cup playoffs be a successful year for this team? At this point, absolutely. Okay. I would say at this point, getting into the dance would make it a more palatable, successful season because I don't think you can evaluate, at least I don't, the same way you might have when the season started. Because if you asked me that, George, in October, I'd have said no. Hmm. I'd have said, get to the second round. I might have, and then depending on who your opponent was and what that series looked like, 
then I might have had a different answer for you because I, I'm a big believer in this. Yeah, I know that we've had, you know, St. Louis be the worst team in the league in recent years on January 3rd and win. There are lots of teams over the years who have made nice runs because of injury during a season or lots of different reasons. So, yeah, I do think it would be a success at this point if they got in and certainly won around. Yeah, uh, in the game against Colorado, I thought the glaring the glaring thing was this team played from behind. They allow sh- uh, goals on the first two shots of the game, and I, I wouldn't necessarily hang the first one on Jacob Markstrom, but nevertheless, playing from behind has not treated this team overly well, and we saw it once again. Wh- what did you make of just the first 10 minutes of that game for the Calgary Flames? Well, I love the first four minutes. Thought they put four excellent shifts back to get back to back to back to back, and then another back. And Nazem Kadri was all juiced up, and beautiful tribute to him, and tears in his eyes. And he tips one on the doorstep that I thought was going to give them the game's opening goal. It did not. Colorado, Matty didn't even have the puck in Calgary's zone until. They made a mistake on the left-wing boards, and McKinnon had a little room, and he walked into a great scoring position and beat the goalie on the short side. So I thought the preparation was excellent. I thought they had four shifts to start the game that you couldn't ask for more outside if they didn't score. But it really, for this group, it's been a similar story and the similar story is this how do you respond when things don't go your way and this team has had a very difficult time doing that and it's been even more magnified because that's exactly what every game is now even in a canadian market where we don't evaluate an 82 game season we evaluate by one eighty-two game season. Mm-hmm. So that, for me, has probably been the most difficult part. And as I went into quite a diatribe the other day on our pregame show, imagine that, and imagine guys coming up <laughs> to lose life lessons. <laughs> The first 11 minutes of our pregame show, and I'm sure 97% of people turned it off, was a life lesson with Lou. And this is not, for me, it's not, it's not a player problem. This is, this is a team that's having a difficult time believing. And frankly, they don't look like they're having a whole lot of fun. And I understand there's nothing better to up the fun meter than winning. But most of the time when you go through difficult times and there are players on this team, guys, that have to be questioning and finding it very hard to understand why what they used to do produced way more results, whether it's individually or how they help their teams collectively, why that doesn't happen. So, you know, I heard your little doo-doo-doo music off the top. I 
remember getting fired quite vividly hmm. from Sportsnet Television in 2011. And the answer I got that summer, you know, literally a year removed from calling eight games at the Winter Olympics was our new bosses don't think you're any good at calling hockey. Well, when you feel that way about something that you felt pretty good about your whole life, I remember the next season, you know, I was lucky enough to do some games, George, on Shaw Television, junior hockey, which people know I love immensely. And in the first year after it, it felt like I'd never called a game before in my life. I stunk with a capital S. And it's not because I forgot how to do it. It's because that moment convinced me, and it took me a long time to get past it, long time, that I wasn't very good at it, and it was hard to get back to a level that I was comfortable with. Lou, throw out how bad the goaltending's been this season. Uh, Even people talking about Daryl Sutter and what you just mentioned, the fun factor. Is it as simple as saying in today's NHL, if you don't have a game breaker, it's really, really hard to win? Because I don't think this team has a game breaker. Sorry? Oh, they don't. They don't. No, it's getting more difficult and more difficult to do it without one. George, I don't disagree with you. However, and this isn't just something that I've thought about and uttered, but have for a long time. In the NHL, in many ways, especially during our current times and noise and everything that surrounds sports and how the reaction is and the forums that people have, which, by the way, when you're not going well, even though they say they can shut it off, you can't shut it off. Come on. You can't. Not in a Canadian market, especially. Mm -hmm. You can't get away from it. It's impossible. It matters. And it matters to fans, and it matters, you know, people who pay a lot of money to come watch you play. But I think it has almost gotten to the point, within reason, and you guys tell me what you think, because I'm always curious, is sometimes it's almost like having to build a team for the regular season and then one for the playoffs. Right. Because the game changes so much. And the passion, the intensity, the physicality of it is... I mean, I watch a lot of NHL games, as you guys know. Well, there's a lot of nights where does anybody hit anyone in today's game? You know, you get through the 82 games. So, yes, George, I do think on the whole, you probably do. But it's tricky. It's tricky because even for the Calgary Flames, one of the reasons I was most excited about this team going in is I truly felt in my heart with the people they were bringing in that come playoff time, this team would be better suited to handle what was coming at them. But you have to get there. And that becomes the real question here as we move towards the NHL's trade deadline. 
it just feels like there isn't a whole lot that we expect this team to do, especially when you look at some of the prices. Like, you see what Tanner Janot goes for yesterday, and I don't know how the Flames end up getting in the dance and trying to acquire anything to kind of help this thing out. Well, gents, I've thought about it a lot on the weekend, and I have no idea what it would take, and it would take probably, in most people's eyes, too much. But Jacob Chikrin and the Calgary Flames has great interest for me even now. Because if you do not, further to George's point, have a game breaker, you outside of at some point, but contracts are so big, even moving those down the road is not going to be easy when you have the kind of commitments you have to Kadri and Huberto in particular up front and Lindholm at some point on the way to make a lot more money than he is. Well, if I'm not going to be in a position in the next couple of years to get a new game breaker, which usually nowadays comes in the first 10 picks in a draft, Mm -hmm. and then you never know. I have not been happy with this group's group of six on defense all season. And he is the one guy that I would think about moving a first for and some assets for because he's under control salary wise Mm -hmm. for the next couple of years. He gives you lefty righty combinations throughout your defense. He might be your best guy right off the top when he's playing the way he can. So if everything in my division, by and large, goes through Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and I don't have those kind of people, don't I have to kind of figure out or build a team that has a better chance to deal with those people? Yeah, that... Would anybody complain in this city if they made that move, Lou? Like, everybody's saying, blow it up, blow it up, blow it up. But if the Flames acquire Jacob Chikrin, this city's on fire this week. Well, it's it's on fire in both ways. Because half the group, and I, I would understand it. Because the other thing is, George, I don't know exactly what the package would look like. But we all love to complain. We're good at it. It's true. Nothing's good enough. You know, we, uh, that's, you know, we want results and we want them right now. So I do, I I think depending on what the price is, I think you'd find a very, very split reaction. But I, I think every time you evaluate, you know, it's it's not like I have a whiteboard at home that I go to. Maybe that <laughs> silliness that goes on between my ears is a pretty good whiteboard. No red yarn on the whiteboard either? No, none of that? Uh, Tacks and pictures? Red yarn, <laughs> no, red yarn and pictures on the board can flat out beat it. Um, but, but it again, the evaluation is can be very emotional, mm-hmm. and it can't be just about tomorrow but if you could bring in a piece 
that is going to make you better for two or three years at a time where you're pretty close to being all in up front outside of the development of Pelche and, you know, potentially a Coronado coming next if you can get him to sign. So Chikrin, like I was never interested in Timo Meyer. Yeah. And not to say that I don't think he's a great player. I, of course I think he's a great player. And he's 26, and he skates, and he's big, and he's physical. And, yes, could this team use a few more goals? Absolutely. But even in Timo Meyer, George, to get back to your great starting point of this conversation, is not a generational necessarily game breaker. Yeah. And and when it mattered the most last year, and I'm not taking shots at them, they're great players. And the Flames would probably this season be in better shape if they had both Kachuk and Gaudreau. And I'm not denying that because they've been through it here and they understand it. And and it wouldn't have been a big adjustment. But you know, even for them how would it have worked here if they didn't get off to a very good start? Hmm. But you have to build your team thinking about trying to win and also making yourself better going forward, probably in areas where you could be better. And in, and in this year's case, they could be better everywhere. Peter Labardius, Flames analyst for Sportsnet 960, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose. Um, Lou, we actually have uh, we have something produced for Life Lessons with Lou too. Oh my goodness! Really? Yeah, this is because <laughs> we do everything yeah. to the max. Uh, Lou, we're two letters short of class on this show, but we do have something uh, produced for you for Life Lessons. <laughs> what are we missing? The Lou? No, it's don't figure it out. Um, all right, what do we, What? Yeah, what do we got? What do we got, Alex? Why, why don't we hit it? He's a resident Flames expert, but right now it's time for Life Lessons with Lou on the Big Show. Look at that! Wow. Maybe maybe lighter music, Alex, for next time. It's really EDM for Lou. Yeah. All right, Lou. What do you got for us? Oh, I, I <laughs> thought there was going to be a little bit more to it. No, it's uh, short and sweet. First, well, first, first of all, boys and girls, humans, <laughs> do not cork in another person's face in a hockey game. <laughs> I love the fact that you used the word hork, yeah, by the way. Yeah, like he did the whole... I was, yeah. You know, when I see Drew Doughty, who, listen, is a person that I've loved as a hockey player going back to the first time I saw him, in Guelph in the Ontario Hockey League at 15, you know, he's a bit of a dirtbag himself. Like, let's not, let's not <laughs> yeah. kid anybody. But K. Andre Miller, no, you do not pork in another person's face to the point where he is talking yeah. about wiping a loogie yeah. <laughs> off his face. Oh, Lung so lung butter is... also works, Lou. Oh, lung butter. <laughs> Yuck! 
gross. Terrible. <laughs> so that would be life lesson number one. Yes. This morning. Okay. Um, life lesson number two. Yeah. And, I mean, we're all so good at this. But this one kind of with, with all sincerity. In the world we live in today, can we stop all, including me, pretending that the Internet and our phones has given us enough knowledge to feel like we know how to do everybody else's job better than they do. <laughs> True. Can we please get back a little bit to understanding, A, all the answers are not there. Yep. They're not. That, yes, certain demographics of humans are smarter. They have more tools as a result. But experience and being around it helps you. George, here it is. I've, I don't know if I've ever said this on the air, but because you have done this for me, life lessons with Lou. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people, including in sports talk radio, who can tell you what. We could use a few more that could tell you why or how come. Mm -hmm. Yep. Social media and the phones have led to the death of the expert. Yes. And why is that? That's because in our own ways, because of that and those tools, now we think we know more. Yeah, it's true. Let's let's just whether you're like I'm not gonna march in next week into my dentist <laughs> and either on social media yeah. or anywhere else yeah. and I hate the dentist. <laughs> Absolutely I don't hate my dentist. Right. He's a fine man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm not walking in there and going, Why don't you take A your bill? And B, get those tools out of my mouth because they hurt. Yeah. So get better at it. <laughs> yeah. You're not very good at pulling teeth or putting on a crown. No, not doing it. But what if you not watched doing it? But what if you watched a YouTube video first, Lou? Rosenbloom. <laughs> really, Rosenbloom? <laughs> I love you like like a <laughs> older son, really wow. rose and bloom. I, I thought you were going to be like, I love you like a parakeet. I thought you were going to go there, Lou. <laughs> like no, my pet parakeet. It's the, only pet, it's the only pet we ever had as kids. <laughs> okay, yeah. Budgies. Yep, yep. I had a budgie, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I like about a budgie? Outside of they're too damn noisy at mm. times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They weren't telling me what to do. No. 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 That's a good point. You told it to go to bed when you put a blanket over the cage. Yeah. That's what you did. That was the end of yeah. the day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Paulie, you get your cracker tomorrow, not now. <laughs> yeah. Sun's on. See you tomorrow. Uh, good point. Lou, I love it.
Uh, I love that you jump on, then you give us life lessons. Let's do it again next week and enjoy the trade deadline. This and the week. dentist. And the dent. Well, uh, or yeah. tolerate the dentist, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm in Edmonton, fellas. I'm gonna watch tomorrow night's opponent firsthand tonight. Okay. Oh, look at you doing some scouting. Look at that. Pros, pro. All right, Lou. Thanks en- for this. Enjoy Bye, the bees. Guys. Have a great day. Thanks. For- Thanks there he for goes. Having me. The best. Peter Labardius, Sportsnet 960, um, Flames analyst on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. NHL trade deadline coverage on Sportsnet 960 is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. Down in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. We'll do what's irking Eric Francis later on in the week, but straight ahead. we got to talk about those aforementioned Boston Bruins with uh, Bruins analyst for Nesson, Billy Jaffe. And we'll give away some tickets to the Cowboys wing thing on March 9th. The wing off. Yeah, we'll do that. Uh, 960, 960 name and location. Should these next two games dictate what the Flames should do on Friday at the deadline? 960, 960 name and location. It's all straight ahead. Big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Your number one spot for Flames coverage can be found on Flames Talk with me, Pat Steinberg. Exclusive interviews, trusted insiders, and the latest news. Listen live weekday afternoons at 4 or stream the Flames Talk podcast on demand. It's Monday. It's the big show. Russick and Rose Sportsnet 960, the fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. We'll wrap up the show. We'll give away some tickets to the Cowboys' fifth annual wing-off. Thursday, March 9th, we're asking you, these next two games against the Bruins and Maple Leafs, should that dictate what the Flames do on Friday's trade deadline? Bruins in town tomorrow night. They're in town. They're in Edmonton tonight to score off against the Oilers on Rogers Monday Night Hockey to talk about those Boston Bruins. He's a Bruins analyst for Nesson and the co-host of the Morning Brew podcast with Jaffe and Razor. We say good morning to Billy Jaffe on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Billy, thanks for this. How are you? I'm wonderful. Always a pleasure to be on in Calgary. One of my favorites. No problem. Calgary. How you guys doing? We're good. Thanks for jumping on. Um, how fun is it to cover a team that is absolutely <laughs> ripping apart the NHL? It's. I laugh because it's. I, I laugh because it's. It's beyond. It's beyond words. Like I get. You know. You get asked it regularly, fellas, and you can't put it into words. Like the other night. Okay, so we're sitting doing the game. Yeah. And uh, against Vancouver, and it's kind of a eh, game. You know, my, first period, the Bruins came out, and, they, and Jim Montgomery said it too. Like, they were really good in the first period. And then they kind of hit the proverbial wall, and I don't want to say they were dominating and not caring because that's anything what the team is. But long story short, second and third period became kind of a grind fest. And then all of a sudden, Lena Solmark pulls the goalie goal out of his, you know, out of his out of his hat or off the stick. And it's not just the luck. It's a, you know, awesome goal. Everybody's seen it. And Razor and I, in particular, Andrew Raycroft and I are working the game together and we're just laughing our butts off. Like the, the epitome of this team guy, yeah. this season that goes from, okay, you know, not every game's going to be a, a Picasso to, Oh God, this is fun. And it's so much fun. And, and I don't know if, we as fans and, and, and analysts, hockey people appreciate it as much because everybody's always worried about the one thing if they don't win the cup. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're worried about that instead of the moment. And I think that night, the other night, guys, got us back to the moment of this team is so fun. They have been so fun to cover. 
Billy, I know there's a lot of quote-unquote last dance vibes around the Bruins with Bergeron and Krejci, but just what you just said, the amount of fun these guys are having and how they're just beating up on the entire NHL, man, why wouldn't these guys want to come back for at least one more year after what's happened this year? Well, fair question. But, you know, certain things have to be taken into consideration. Using David Krejci as a for instance, his family is living in South Carolina where he off-seasons for years and years and years. And he's got two young children. So is he going to want to go through that again? I'm rhetorically asking. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Krejci, you know him well, get to see him, you know, when uh, in the locker room, et cetera. But, you know, he's not answering if he's playing next year. Now, he's not even concerned about that right now. And he's a man of a few words. So, you know, but you got to really understand the human element of it, too. Bergeron comes back when everybody, you know, makes the decision over the summer to come back after his surgery. And then when other guys are all coming in and he is playing at such a level, he's, I don't know how he doesn't win the Selkie. I just don't know how he doesn't. If you look at the analytics, the metrics and the eye test. So you say, how does he retire if the Bruins, you know, go all the way? It's, but, you know, he's done everything in the league. So again, the human element, he's got three young kids comes into play. So it's a fair question, but on the other hand, let's get to that point of the season. Like right now it's so much fun, but the beat up your body and your mind time of the season of playoffs hasn't happened just yet. Let's see where that goes. Billy, I was one of the fools who going into the year thought that the Bruins might slide with all the injuries at the beginning of the season and an aging roster as well, maybe down to a wild card spot, but instead here they are, best team in the NHL. How much has this team exceeded your off-season expectations, knowing that there was injuries to start and Krejci had been off from the NHL for a year. How much has this exceeded your expectations? True story. No BS here. No, no lie. We have a, uh, Nesson has a you know, big season preview uh, uh, production meeting every year to start the year. And as part of it, at the end of the meeting, everybody gets the analysts and uh, play-by-play guys get asked, you know, their prediction for the season. And every one of us talked about how this could be a very really special year due to the fact that their depth and health seems to be better. Now, this is, again, no lie. I said, look, I think this could be – I think this is either going to be a really awesome season for the Bruins, really awesome, or I said if it gets – I don't see them being a wild card. I saw them either being awesome – not this awesome, full disclosure, no way near this good. <laughs> or, or, or being, you know what, guys, it's sell time. And we tried it, and we did, it, we did what we should do, and, and we gave everybody that, I guess, last dance is the way to you know, term it. But, and then I thought that, because I thought being a, a, a mediocre team, if they weren't you know, really there, that Don Sweeney would have to really go the other direction. But I said, look, I think if everybody stays healthy, this team has a chance to do some really good things. And, and I, and, and, but again, no joke, not nowhere. This, what they're doing right now is, is, you know, 10 U hockey stuff in a local community where there's one team that dominates. You know, this, is, this, is, this is crazy what, what they're doing. And, and again, I hope I'm trying to appreciate it regularly, but it's, it's hard to at times. We saw the trade, and I think that's where we got to go next. Garnet Hathaway, I went, yeah, that's that guy's a Bruin. And then Dmitry Orlov, we watched him on Saturday. He blocks a shot in a 3-1 to one game as time's running out and has to be hobbled, helped to the bench by his teammates as they celebrate the victory. Um, is there any 
other combination of players that could have fit the mold of this Bruins team better than Orlov and Hathaway? Um, well, it's a really good question. I guess when you think about all the, tr- the potential trade people out there, um, I mean, you know, who wouldn't like a Timo Meyer? At least I like Timo yeah. Meyer on my team. But, you know, as far as Garnet Hathaway, you couldn't be more right about that. Um, being where he is a native of Kenny Bunkport, Maine, which it's a, that's barely a two hour drive from Boston to Kenny Bunkport. Right. And that's the, you know, obviously the Bruins, the closest NHL team around. And then he spent four years at a, at a prep school called Phillips Andover, which is 35 minutes from the city in Andover mass. And so this guy and the way he plays and the way he's built absolutely unquestionably built to be a Bruin with regard to Orlov. Um, he, you know, there's that question mark of, wait, he's only played for one team and how's he going to react here? And, you know, he's coming in now to a team that already has two alpha dogs on the blue line in Charlie McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm. And where is he going to fit? But, you know, covering the, the, you know, I do a lot of work for the NHL network nationally here in the States and covered a lot of games of the caps and the playoffs and the cup run and everything. And he was an absolute, Bruin-esque type player in that cup run where he played 24 minutes a night. He did everything and he really put himself out there. So your point is very accurate. Well taken. Are there other players I think that would have given their arm to probably go to the Bruins and, and, and try to enjoy a long cup run? I'm sure there are, but these two guys in one deal uh, seem to fit real. I, I was never on board for a Jacob Chikrin deal. It's not that I don't think that Jacob Chikrin is, potentially a hell of a young player and obviously he's got a couple of years left on his contract but I wasn't sure that he would fit I think to your point the mentality and the expectations of being a Boston Bruin and there's something to be said for that and where would he fit overall so and and the Gavrikov deal was intriguing because his physical and mental size his physical size and his mental approach to the game probably fellas could have could have fit with the Bruins but I think when all said and done, Don Sweeney did a tremendous job acquiring these two players with one team, you know, with only one deal. Billy, what's the biggest thing you've noticed with Jim Montgomery behind the bench on and off the ice opposed to Bruce Cassidy in Boston? Uh, style of communication um, is, is really, um, really impressive. Uh, and I, I, you know, this is no different, guys. We've all been through it, right? Uh, whether it's in hockey or in our businesses, uh, it's no different than I think a corporation that comes in and maybe, you know, like the Bruins kept their, their, their executives and, you know, Cam Neely and Don Sweeney, but it's like bringing in a top sales guy, right? The, the, v, the VP of sales is your coach, right? The number one guy and whatever Jim Montgomery is selling, the guys are buying from day one and it's just communication skills. And, you know, Bruce Cassidy brought a lot of good stuff to this team but definitely a different style approach, uh, different personality, um, doing a nice job. I mean, I was a huge Bruce fan, but Jim Montgomery's ability to resonate with the players. And also, look, he, he had the ability, and he had fully admitted, he's like, I'm not going to change the defensive structure. So it's a smart guy there, too. I mean, Claude Julian had it. Bruce Cassidy didn't change it. Minor tweaks. Jim Montgomery hasn't changed the, the essence of the, the, the hybrid kind of, it's more of a zone or a hybrid zone man to man. He's like, why would I touch it? I'm not that stupid. Like it's too good of a system, Hmm. but he tweaked it. And then he sold what he's really done from an X and O perspective. Different than Bruce is allowing the D or not even allowing fellas demanding the D 
to get involved in the play with puck touches in different areas of the ice, and in particular, neutral zone and offensive zone. Got to ask about David Posternock. He's doing uh, what we saw Aaron Judge do, bet on himself this year. Now he's well on his way to his first 50-goal campaign. He's got 42 in just 58 games and 79 points to go with it. How much um, maybe hand-wringing is there amongst the Bruins faithful on this pending contract for David Pasternak? Well, I'm, uh, I'm not asking, answering, or answering a question with a question, but, I mean, I guess rhetorically stating how much hand-wringing was there with Johnny Gaudreau last year? You know, I'm sure there were mm. people that were like, oh, my, and then there were others that were like, it's going to get done. And Boston is such a sports market. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's not, they got two major sports radio systems here that are in the top, I think, 10 in the country, the U.S. So this goes to show how big of a sports market it is. And I think that there is an element, guys, that are like, it's going to get done. It's going to get done. And then there's an element of major hand wringing to where they probably chased off a a level of skin. And, you know, um, and I'm in the camp that it's going to get done. Um, I'm in the, you know, the mindset, sure, I'd love it to be done right now. But, you know, David, David, when you get to know Pasternak, you know, Pasta's got a, 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 a there, we, we, I always like to say there's no bad day in Pastaville. They're just, I've never seen him in a bad place except, and, and I didn't even see it, but last year at the beginning of the season, you know, there was, he and his, his partner, you know, suffered what any parent, a traumatic experience, the death of a, of a very, very young child. And you can't, you can only imagine what that was like. And that impacted him. But otherwise, when David Posternock's in the right place, fellas, he is a unique individual. There's a carefreeness to him that I am so freaking jealous of, right? I mean, it's just, it's just a smile that literally lights up a room, it, not even a room, an arena. And he comes in and he's got this energy to him that, it's not impacting him. So I keep looking and saying, if this isn't bothering him, then I can't let it bother me. Now, hmm. you could call me in three months, guys, and I could be like, I was wrong. I still think it gets done. I still think that it's, you know, they, they've, they've got a lot of guys here that are signed past this year. Uh, the, the Pavel Zakas, the Charlie Coyles, the Hampus Lindholms, the Charlie McAvoy's, the uh, Linus Olmark, Jeremy Swayman. Yes, there's a, obviously a concern if Krejci and Poster, uh, Ber- beg your pardon, Bergeron are done, but that's, again, another what-if mm. game. We started the interview with that. So, But Pasta, I don't know if he looks at another team and says it's going to be better. And the Boston Bruin faithful fans, and even, you know, Pasta's one of those players that kind of transcends. Like, if you're just an average Bruins fan living in the market, and that's kind of not, it's hard to do, but if you are, you know David Pasternak because of his personality. And so he kind of transcends everything. I don't know if there's many other markets that a could afford him. He's going to make between 11 and 12. I think we all know that per year and B if they can't afford him, that there still would be a pretty darn good team around him. That's the other thing. Uh, Billy real quick on uh, pasta. Um, that empty net goal, a goal he scored against the flames in November to seal it was just ridiculous for an empty net goal. And we were just shaking our heads. <laughs> Like, well, how about the goal he scored against? Uh, did you see the goal the other night against Seattle? And yes. Took, uh, Larson, ridiculous. Like, you know, and Larson metrically again, it, and, and I do think Adam Larson's had a, a, a beautiful year for Seattle. One of the reasons why that they've been better is he's a, one of the quote unquote better defensive defensemen, right? And how about the goal against 
um, boy, I'm, I'm going back. I think it's November, too. My memory sucks sometimes, but uh, on dates and numbers. Against Shosturkin, when he did a backhand shot from just about the goal line on the left-wing side, and it ticketed past the ear of Shosturkin and went in, and you're like, how? How? You know, like, but that's the creativity that I think a lot of these great players have that they almost can't explain it, right? So you score, mm-hmm. and like you're talking about the empty netter against Calgary. You score the Seattle goal, the New York goal. And you're like, how did you do it? And you're like, well, I, I don't know. I just, I felt it. I saw a little <laughs> opportunity and I did it. And that's what David's about. And, um, you know, by the way, too, like playing with David Krejci, and I, let's not look past his two fellas. This is an idol of his, okay? This is a guy, it's one of his best friends now. But when he started as a youngster, you know, David Krejci carries an awful lot of weight in, in Czech. And you know, they call it Chechia now, in Chechia. They, he carries a lot of weight there. Be, be, meaning a, a huge amount of respect from play. I mean, Pavel Zak has talked about it. And so I also think that there's an impetus this year for Krejci or for Pasternak, knowing that he was one of the reasons that Krejci came back this year to play with the Bruins, not to let down a guy that he considers a, a dear, dear friend, one of his best friends, but also an idol. I, I, I think he wants to kick some, you know what, considering that again, if this is David Krejci's last year, that it wasn't a wasted opportunity. Uh, Billy Jaffe, Boston Bruins analyst for Nesson and the co-host of the Morning Brew podcast with Jaffe and Razor. Uh, Billy, great stuff. Enjoy the game tomorrow, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow in Calgary. Yes, we will look forward to it. Again, love Calgary. Played in the, I guess it's called the Circle K now. It was uh, the Max. I think it was called the Max, the Max Tournament back. We lost in overtime to Detroit Little Caesars in 1985. It was Chicago against Detroit. And instead of having 8,000 people at the old corral, which I think, by the way, most of us pulled a groin trying to jump over those yeah. boards. They were so tall um, that it, it, it was like only 2,000 people barely there because like we're watching two American teams play. But uh, that was fun. And I love it. And I used to go to Calgary a lot to uh, either fly in and out of to go fishing and stuff. I, I love it. I love fly fishing. So it's a great point. But love the city. And uh, guys, looking forward to uh, the game tomorrow night. Be well. All right. Thanks, Billy. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough one for the Flames tomorrow. Big challenge. Like getting them on the back to back, though. Record setting team. You'll get their backup goalie who could be a starter in half of the NHL markets. Yeah, Swayman. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh, what are they going to do with Otuka Rask? Uh, and and they traded away Dan Vladar. Yeah. Who would have been a fine backup for who, them. By too. the way, I expect to start tomorrow for the Flames. Yep. Winning you're in against his former team which really doesn't mean that much at this point because he's already faced him a few times. I like that Billy brought up the Max tournament, uh, known as Circle K now. That's how I got my very first media gig, was doing media notes at the Circle K uh, in the year where Team Finland came to the tournament. Mm, Line A's year. Line A, pull you Yarvi, U11, that high pick that Vancouver made that turned into a bust. Whoops. They were all on that team and absolutely ran the show. Um, it was not close. I think the Swiss were there, too. By the way, um, Billy Jaffe on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh-huh. Our NHL trade deadline coverage on Sports at 960. It's brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Really? Do they have a secret? Yeah, the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. All right, we got about five minutes to go here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a pair of tickets to give away to the fifth annual Cowboys Wing off goes down Thursday, March 9th. We've been asking you, these next two games against the Bruins and Maple Leafs, should that influence what the Flames do at the trade deadline this Friday? 960-960, name and location. Our Sportsnet 960 text reading robot, Texty McTexterson, joins us again. 
to read some of your texts because we got to give away the tickets within the next four minutes or so. We got oh, five. Okay. All right. Let's All do right, it. Texty, let's, do let's it. fire it up. Joel in Claire's home, as difficult as it might be, I believe it's times for Flames fans to understand that the team might not put it together this year. With a loaded 2023 draft class coming up in the midst of a season full of uncertainty, it's making less sense to give up valuable assets and picks during a deadline where prices have been quite high. And disagree there. Okay. That's really long. Uh, I've seen uh, this morning that Josh Anderson is trending, that the Habs should absolutely trade Josh Anderson and what the return would be for Josh Anderson based on what the Lightning gave up for Tanner Janot. Yeah, I don't know if they're comparable, except for their big. But body, the prices are forwards. high right now. That that's 100%. essentially what people are saying. But I look at Josh Anderson like I look at Eric Carlson. I think the value diminishes because there's term on that deal. But there's also cost certainty. There's something to be said about cost certainty. Yeah, that but you know what you're paying. Josh he's not Anderson. at four and a half though. He's almost at six, and he's always hurt. But he's only twenty eight. Mm, but he's always hurt. He's fast and he's big. Yeah, he scores great. goals. Why aren't the Habs better? Well, the Habs have, <laughs> have a myriad of problems from top to bottom in their roster. But he was really good in that cup run. He was. Sure. Performer. Yep, 100%. Uh, what else we got? One-time playoff performer with six points in 22 games. All right. Jay in Calgary. If they lose the next two games, it should influence the trade deadline. I think they should be sellers, and I believe Tree knows too, but guess we will see who's really calling the shots. Mm. What? I what? I don't know. Daryl's going to be like, don't trade Lucic. I think it's higher up than that. Yeah, I would assume. But again, there's not much but to who sell knows? here. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> like no, are, you really, are you really trading Noah Hannafin the on problem, Friday? The problem is that this team has been too middling, so they haven't turned to the idea of selling early. Because, listen, if you wanted to sell all those guys that we went through that have deals that expire after next season, if you wanted to start taking calls on some of those guys, you'd be able to get a King's Ransom. When you look at some of the deals, and you're talking about Tanner Janot getting the deal that he did, yeah. if you could bring in a Lindholm, a Hannafin, What's a the Tanev, last Lindholm uh, worth? Yeah. Right. Timo Meyer Plus. But the trades you made in the offseason and the contracts you handed out, this isn't a rebuild. This is far from a rebuild. This nope. is a win-now team. Yep. You could have went rebuild. Didn't. But you didn't. All right, let's nope. squeeze in a couple more. Jeremy in Crossfield. The next two games should definitely determine what the Flames do. If they win two games, keep everyone. Win one game, sell half the team. <laughs> Lose both games, sell the entire team. Okay, maybe just stand pat and wait till next year. Okay, so far Jeremy's the clubhouse leader. I like that a lot. I like that, that one a lot. Comical, and yeah, I liked it. I like it. Light. Because apparently we're shills for the team, yeah, according to this morning. Taking lots of money from All the right. Flames. <laughs> one more. Nina, SW Calgary, I don't think the next two games will matter much in deciding what to do by the trade deadline. Most of the season has already been played, so they must know mm -hmm. by now what areas they need fortified. Okay. They shouldn't make any desperate, weak decisions. Nina making a lot of sense. I think we'll give it to Jeremy, though. What did you think about J Jacob Chikrin with Lou, that thought? I don't hate it. I'll say that I don't much. hate it either. And nobody would hate it in this city. Nope. Nobody would. He's a good player. Yeah. And He's... solidifies your blue line. 
I don't know how you're going to keep everybody when the contracts expire. I don't sure. know how you're going to figure keep that out in the 55 summer. Fifty-five and four, and everybody. But Jacob but... Chickering down the stretch for the mm-hmm. Flames mm-hmm. would pretty good. Signed for three more years. Two more years after this, less than five schmil. Uh, yeah, congratulations to Jeremy. You win the uh, two tickets to the fifth annual Cowboys Wing Off goes down Thursday, March 9th. See you there, J Dog. Six till nine p.m. Uh, all in support six to nine of a kids' sport Calgary. It's late for you. That's so late for me. Uh, it's late for you. Um, Big Show Mucho is straight ahead with Patrick Dumont. What do you got on the show, Patrick? We got Jamie Dodd, co-host of Canucks Talk. Going to go uh, talk about what they got to do the rest of this way. If, if Luke Shen's going to go, this Besser move, what are they going to do with Thatcher Demko? Uh, maybe let's see what happened with Linus Allmark's yeah. goal as well. Yeah. yeah. Thatcher Demko is super interesting to me. Like, why would you Buffalo. trade that guy? Yeah, why? But again, if I'm Buffalo, yeah. Mm-hmm. I want in on the Thatcher Demko. Like, the only reason you do it is because you blow off your socks by the package that you've received. And listen... This is a guy who signed for three more years, $5 million per, and he's 27 That's years old. That's a nice deal. And he was, like, what, fifth in Vezina voting last year? Yep, yep. Probably would have been uh, one of the favorites had he not gotten hurt early on in the season and had a whole bunch of setbacks in his recovery. Canucks might be I also right around where Calgary him. is with the healthy after Demko. I don't blame him as far as being... Ooh, something acted up. Oh, retweaked it. Yeah, yeah that's, ooh, wow, here. that's too bad. Maybe I don't want to go and uh, you know play behind this loose D. Uh, I think I think tomorrow I'll bust out some impossible flames trivia for the tickets. Whoop whoop, that'll be fun. Uh, we did it uh, a few weeks ago. Um, nobody got it, and I'm gonna make it ridiculously hard again tomorrow. Yeah, hence the name Impossible Flames Trivia. It's it's not even hard. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it yeah. It, I'm looking forward to what you come up with. Okay. I'm going to do that this evening. Uh, That's it for us. Patrick's next. Uh, We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.